Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Cause Marketing Forum and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at CauseUpdate.com and SelfishGiving.com. Now on to today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another exciting episode of Cause Talk Radio. On the line with me, of course, is Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hello. Summer is winding down, but the guests continue. That's right. Every week. We haven't taken any time off. That's how dedicated we are to Cause Talk Radio. You're awesome. You know, this is just part of vacation. (laughs) It's part of vacation. I get to talk to you, and I get to talk to a great guest every week. And this week, Megan, we have someone fantastic. We have... Leslie Ingle Young, who's the Director of Impact at Pencils of Promise. Hey, Leslie, how's it going? Great. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. And, and Leslie, we were talking a little bit before the show. You do have Boston roots, so it's nice to have someone on. But you <laughs> also... More importantly, she's from Oregon. Oh, I can't believe that. Why, yeah, would someone, why would someone actually leave their hometown, come to Boston, then leave again? I don't get it. <laughs> well, just FYI, Joe, both of us on this line did that, so... <laughs> You might, you might just yes. take a clue there. <laughs> hey, if I ever come to Oregon, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. You're going to be that's in a lot of true. trouble. That's very true. That's as soon true. as you can figure out where it is. That's right. That's right. As soon as I find the right road to get to Oregon, I'm there. Yeah. So, Hey, Leslie, thanks so much for being on. And one of the reasons that we're kind of excited to have you on is, you know, a lot of the shows that we do, we talk to people about like their point of sale programs or their purchase triggered programs. And we actually did a show a couple of weeks ago or last week, Megan, about personal branding uh, mm. for causepreneurs. But what's interesting about you is you're director of impact for a really high performing organization, Pencils of Promise. And we wanted to have you on because when it comes to cause marketing, there is no better calling card than a strong brand. And Megan and I both believe a strong brand means a big impact in the community. And that's what we want to talk to you about today. We want to talk to you about the, the, the impact that Pencils of Promise is having. And one of the things I'd love to start out with, though, is kind of your story, because you, correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe you've been with the organization since the very beginning. Yeah, I have. Um, almost seven years now. Wow. Yeah. What I hear, did I hear something that you and Adam, by the way, we, we interviewed Adam Braun in episode 88. We'll put it in the show notes for the show. Um, you and Adam were linked by someone very important, Bob Dylan. Oh, yes. Is that Absolutely. true? Absolutely. That is a, a binding love for all things Dylan, really. <laughs> kind of started us off. You and I would have never kicked it off. Never. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us how you got involved with Pencils of Promise. Yeah, absolutely. So as as you mentioned, I started from in the beginning, and it was actually a bit of a career switch for me. I was teaching preschool in Oregon, and I had previously traveled in Southeast Asia, and I was just constantly, every day I was pretty much thinking, how can I be in Southeast Asia right now? So I bought a one-way ticket to Laos. And after I did that, a friend told me that she heard of someone who was on semester at sea who built a preschool in Laos. So I Facebook messaged this friend, Adam Braun, and was like, hey, I'm a preschool teacher. You built a preschool. Let's talk. We got on the phone. We talked about Bob Dylan. Fast forward six months. We ended up on the same tiny little prop plane from Bangkok to Laos, wow. totally on accident. Yeah. Wow. And then I stayed in Laos for four years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, so were you were working for Pencils of Promise then? 
I, I mean, once I got there, but no, I was moving to Laos to, you know, have a quarter life crisis and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> hey, what great timing um, though, right? I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, so it was amazing. Yeah. So you were a teacher for four years in Laos and then how did you get back to the States and back with Pencils of Promise in a different role? Yeah. So, so actually when I, when I was in Laos, I was with Pencils of Promise, not teaching, but working kind of building out the organization. Okay. So, okay. Uh, I was, I moved there um, in 2009 and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm there, I'm in Laos and there's one volunteer employee. So I kind of spent the next three years building that team up from one to about 35 when I left and one wow. school to about, now there's about 85 schools in Laos. Um, and really just building out the programs, the team, everything, everything around that. And I, I got usurped. Um, the person I was training to be the director was ready to be the director. So now we have two local directors there. Um, Two folks named Lenoy and Ya, who are both Lao, and they kind of took over the role. And that's when I was either out of a job or was going to stay within the organization. And that's when I moved to New York to take the role on that I have now. And so how, why did you guys decide to have an impact, a position focused specifically on impact? And why was that important to you? Yeah, well, this this kind of role and department was originally, we originally called it programs, because it's a pretty typical thing to call it, right? We, we run programs, so yeah. you know, be the director of programs. Um, but to us, what's the point of a program if it's not having an impact? Um, that needed to kind of be the root of my job, the entire team, everyone that works on this team, both in the States and then abroad, which, you know, abroad we have around 100 staff members. Like every single one of them is a member of the impact team. They're mm. all working to create an impact in one way or another. You know, it's interesting, Leslie. Um I'm seeing more uh, job openings for directors of impact. Do you think that is something that nonprofits need to do in general in terms of doing a better job in that area is focusing on impact? I think absolutely. I mean, I think that impact, monitoring, evaluation, transparency, data, these are all buzzwords for really good reason. Um, we should all be focusing on them. To simply be running a program is not a success. To have, frankly, to have built a school is not a success. What's mm-hmm. happening within that school, that's what matters, right? So seeing people kind of trend towards, does the work I'm doing make a change in the world? Um, I think everyone should be held accountable for that, that works works in this sector. So uh, what sorts of things are you then measuring um, from an impact perspective? And, and how does that differ from maybe some of your other nonprofit counterparts? Yeah, so we, I mean, we are measuring anything and everything, but we're trying to distill it down to a key set of metrics that really help us understand and interpret our impact. I would say the, the thing that really uh, differentiates us, at least from ourselves five years ago, is that we are measuring outcomes and not just output. Mm-hmm. So in, as an early organization, as most early organizations are, you know, you, you quantify success by saying we built 10 schools, we built right. 30 schools, we built 100 schools. Now we're saying that's not enough. That's not even close to enough. You know, like we're we're super excited that we have over 350 schools, but it means nothing unless we can look at the literacy gains that are happening within the classroom. So that's really kind of where we're honed in now is not the number of students, but what are those students learning? So we're tracking our indicators are really a lot of them are around literacy. That's our primary focus. So tracking students from kindergarten all the way through primary school um, in kind of different facets of literacy, how much they're gaining as compared to control students and, and what that really all looks like and just show the efficacy of our work. 
I think it's so important and it's so interesting. I, I know we're not really talking about corporate partners today, but it is something that Joe and I have heard a lot from corporate partners is they are looking to do exactly what you're talking about. They're looking to ensure that their support of these programs isn't just on outputs. And I think that's mm-hmm. the traditional way of measuring, as you've just pointed out, but really kind of digging into those real success and real impact measurements. So fantastic that you guys are already already on top of this. And, you know, you're new, you're newish nonprofit. I mean, you've been around for a while, but it's not yeah. like you've been around for 50 years yeah. that, um, so kudos to you guys for really well, focusing on well, it. Makes, that's, what, that's what makes us cool. Being, being a younger yes. organization means you get to be innovative and you get to be nimble and try new things and, and be bold with them. So mm-hmm. you get to, you know, you get to do all that and experiment in a way that, um, it's a little harder to do when you're a bit older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, I think too, what, what Pencils of Promise is doing too, Megan and Leslie is like, you guys are really leading the charge of what, a millennial organization looks like. I mean, not only uh, you millennial led, um, but I think the way you go about things in terms of your impact and your services, you really are showing other nonprofits like, look, this is the way to be a top philanthropic brand. People just not looking for the name United Way on your letterhead anymore. They're looking for something else, something that's much more important, the impact of your organization. Yeah. And it's just, it's really important to us that Everyone who is a supporter, a member of the POP family, uh, can see and feel and understand their impact in a way that's, that works for them, right? So some folks want to really dig into the data and look at the data live and the raw numbers, and kudos to them. We have all that information for them, and they can look at it. Mm-hmm. Other folks want to hear a really personal story about a student in a community where they built a school. So great. We have that information for you. We want to make sure that's really all available to a wide array of audiences um, and keep this really kind of relevant. So, uh, Leslie, you mentioned data, which is kind of a hot word with everyone, but especially in the nonprofit community. How important is that to your mission? How much of a driver is that, not only in the results that you share with people, but in how you do things? Um, I would say it's everything. <laughs> um, making sure that we have, have proof of what works and what doesn't work. I mean, all of our, especially our programmatic decisions are really rooted in the data. You know, we, we can have really strong hypotheses that we really believe, you know, like I really, really believe that if these students have these e-readers, they will be better at, at reading, right? They'll become better readers faster. I believe that. But until I see the proof of that after one year of a program, I'm not going to take donor dollars and invest $100,000 in it. I need to be sure and I need to be able to say to a donor, to anyone that I know that this works and that drives everything that we do. How are you determining whether it works or not? Are you doing smaller pilot programs and trying to prove impact that way before you roll it out to a larger group? Or what's what's the philosophy and approach there? Yeah, our approach is exactly that. It's to go from what we what we kind of have a three-stage system and we call it pilot beta and integration, mm-hmm. where everything that we do starts off in a pilot, which is three to five schools, pretty low cost, low risk, all that kind of stuff, um, where we can really try something out in three to five schools. We look at that after about six months from a qualitative lens, really just, does the teacher like it? Are the students using it? Does it work? Really basic things, mm-hmm. right? Um, and observational. And if that's going, then we can up it to the beta phase and we can mm-hmm. put it in a few more schools. And that's the really key important one when data comes in is you can't, you as a pilot, can't can't leave the beta phase until there's quantitative proof that there's data backing that that program should be scaled. And that's really where we look for proof of concept. So we can have all the teachers in the world saying we love this, but if no student is increasing their scores and nothing is actually happening, 
um, it, it's not going to really move out of that stage until we can see that ground, that, that proof right there. That makes sense. And it's, it's such a responsible way to steward the funds from the organization is to make sure that it's actually working. So it's a, that's a refreshing approach to, to data, I think. Mm. I, I want to talk a little bit about something that I saw come out last April that I was typically, there's a lot of stuff that comes into my inbox and I'm like, yeah, 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 delete, delete, delete. But this came through and I was like, oh, that's so smart. And it was this quarterly transparency report that you guys had put out. And I thought that is brilliant because so many people put out like an annual report that nobody wants to sift through. But a quarterly transparency report, I don't know why it just struck me as so smart. Can you talk a little bit about why you're doing that? Yeah, we are, we're very excited about it. So I'm so glad you opened it. <laughs> I hope others are doing the same. Um, so our, this quarterly transparency report is first and foremost, it holds us accountable. It is really mm. important to know that four times a year, I'm going to have to say, these are the numbers. And when the numbers are bad, I need to be able to stand behind them, understand them, report out on them. Uh, when the numbers are phenomenal, you know, I want to be able to, to look back at that as well. Um, but it's really just about saying to everyone, like, here it is. Here's us. Here's Pencils of Promise. Education is a slow-changing thing, and so you really have to break it down and say, you know, in beginning readers who are working on their phonics, they increase at this percent rather than just saying in 2009 students are not literate and in 2016 they are literate. You need to be mm -hmm. able to see it, the steps along the way, for folks to really be able to understand it and digest it. Uh, and frankly, we want people to know where we're struggling. Um, I think that if, if I were to, you know, if I'm a philanthropist and I want to invest in someone, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that everything doesn't work, right? right? That every intervention hasn't been a, a swimming success. Mm. So I want to hear about that and know how you've course corrected from that. So that's really our opportunity to say, yeah, we did this pilot and it never made it to beta and it's not going to because it didn't work. Mm. Um, and so here's what we're doing instead. Here's where we're reinvesting. Here's what we're doubling down on. It's really an opportunity to share that with everyone. Leslie, in terms of communicating to your key constituents, how do you usually do that? I mean, you guys are proficient on social media. I know that. I'm sure you use email marketing. You know, are there other things, are there, are there key things that you focus on when it comes to communication? Is it your blog, email, social media? Is it all of them? It's really all of them. I mean, so our social really drives the brand, right? Mm -hmm. The social really keeps us relevant and alive and reaching a lot of different audiences. And what, what's really cool to me, and it's specifically in my role in working on programs and impact, is that you can see all of it. When you go to our website, you can see the really kind of uh, the cool side of Pencils of Promise. It's a cool yeah. and relevant brand, right? We've got a great, great brand. It looks nice. It feels nice. Like it, it's all really great. And you can also drill down and you can drill down and literally go and look at the live data. Mm. Um, and so that kind of speaks to everyone's needs. So that means that we can drive everyone to our website. We can yeah, say, you know, go look at pencilofpromise.org. You know what I like about your website too is, first of all, it is data rich. Like every page I go to your website, like I'm constantly seeing numbers and percentages and stuff like that. And it mm -hmm. makes me feel like I'm dealing with an organization that is high impact. But one of the things that I always like too is like, you're always reminding people like, look, if you like what you see, you can donate. You know, in the sense like, yeah, so every yeah. page. The donate now button. Yeah, it has that away. donate now button. You know, like, I mean, in some ways, you know, it was funny talking to Adam originally. Megan, you probably remember this. Adam was talking about how he didn't like to ask people for money. And yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I had to get over that. You know what I mean? So looking at yeah. your website, I think Adam has finally embraced He's finally that. gotten over He's it. He's finally gotten over that. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, but it's, yeah, but it's also like you're putting your money where your mouth is and you're saying, hey, look, we're doing our job. We're going to ask, we're, we're going to, if we're doing our work, we're going to ask you to do your work. 
and we're going to ask you to donate. So, I mean, there must have been a wrong, a real a strong purpose of that. And I think there's a real confidence in that too, in the sense that you make a decision, say to yourself, you know what, we're constantly going to be asking people for money because we're constantly at work having a bigger impact in what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a big need out there, you know, and we also really like to show and illustrate that need to people. It's really hard to fathom that there are 250 million children that can't read and write. Mm. That's a huge number. It's really hard to kind of grasp onto. Um, so we really try to make people understand what what that looks like, what that feels like, what that means, um, and why it needs to be invested in so heavily. Hmm. I want to I want to talk a little bit about your wash program because, uh, well, first of all, explain what it is and maybe why you started this program. Yeah, so wash is for water sanitation and hygiene. Um, we implement a school based wash program, which means that we're supporting really hygiene habits and kind of just cleanliness habits and clean drinking water in the school. Uh, we believe that a school is a place where you should get to, you know, feel safe, clean, nourished, you know, all those good things that mm. we get in schools here. Uh, and then really it's just kind of the basic facts of if you're not healthy, you don't go to school. Yeah. Um, I mean, students, I believe the global number is that students miss 272 million school days per year due to preventable illnesses. That really means they're not washing their hands and they're getting sick. <laughs> and oh. it's really, really, really preventable, right? And so if we can kind of stick that at the school level and you wash your hands all the time, you drink clean water, uh, you have a clean bathroom, you have a gender-safe bathroom for girls, um, it really means that school is a safe, comfortable, clean place to go to. Mm. You know, it's interesting, Megan. It makes me think of the new Whirlpool program that we've been getting in our yes. inbox about, uh, you know, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, Leslie, but Whirlpool just uh, launched a program here in the States about uh, helping kids. It's basically around laundry and clean clothes in the sense yeah. that a lot of kids don't mm. go to school sometimes because they don't have, they clean, don't have clothes. clean clothes. You yeah. know, and, 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 and they don't so play often, sports. It, it's yeah. so often it's about, you know, coming to the classroom with confidence. And it sounds yeah. like throughout the world, that's a big thing that you folks are doing. Absolutely. I mean, confidence in how you are taking care of yourself and then confidence in your abilities. You know, we want students to feel confident in in being the first person in their generation that can read. We want them to feel confident in being the person that goes home and says like, oh, hey, you're supposed to boil the water for a minute, you know? <laughs> like the, We drink clean water and here's how you take care of it. We want the confidence around that. I just think it's smart that you guys are looking at all all facets of education and impact and not just, you know, literally what happens from teacher to student in terms of reading, for example, or phonics. Mm -hmm. You're looking at hygiene and how that impacts or gets in the way of that education piece. How, did that come up organically or how did that, how did that even get incorporated into your program? Very much organically. I mean, based on the need, you know, like our first country was in Laos. I lived there. Um, it, it's a place that needs a lot of focus on, on hygiene and hygiene training and access to clean water. So when you're going to schools and you literally look around, you see a lot of sick kiddos or you ask, you know, where's half your classroom and yeah. they're homesick. You need to deal with that before you can go much further. Um, and I think that's, that's one thing that I, that's, if I might say, is very cool about Pencils of Promise is that we have the ability, since we have the staff on the ground, we have 30-plus team members in each country that are local, we have the eyes and ears actually physically on the ground in the schools, out mm -hmm, in the communities, mm -hmm. to give us that feedback and tell us. So but kind of back to your question about how important is data, um, it's everything. And at the same time, it's nothing if you don't have the humans out there to tell you what's happening, right? If you don't have the actual real human experience and interaction to feed back into it. You know, you had brought up challenges and, and being transparent about where you're struggling or what's hard, which I love. I think that's fantastic. I think more organizations should do it. Are, are there challenges in being 
an organization that's so focused on measurement and impact? Like what have you run into either culturally or just in the logistics of collecting that data? Are there things that are hard about that? There, Yeah, there absolutely is. I mean, from from a gut level, it kind of means that sometimes things that you really want to do and you really think are going to work can be proven wrong. Yeah. And that just kind of sucks when you're thinking of a program that you really want to do, but it's it's proven that it's not as, as efficient as you thought it could be. So yeah. that can be kind yeah. of tough. Um, from an implementation level, yeah, it's a very technical skill. And so it's a lot of training. We have a very big monitoring and evaluation staff. So in each country, we have four or five, six team members that are solely dedicated to going out to the field, collecting data, inputting data, feeding it back to us here where we can look at it live, mm-hmm. understand it, interpret it. It's a lot of manpower to put behind it. So that that definitely is a challenge. And and kind of back to the transparency and sharing it, um, you're right. Kind of the messaging of it and sharing of it with, with folks that you work with. So within a community and a school and a teacher, uh, you don't just go and say, hey, look, all your students are bad. <laughs> Here's the test score, right? Like that's not the messaging that's my for that. Used to say. So, <laughs> right? So, so that's so it is tough. But but we are committed to being transparent and working with those teachers. So sitting down with them and saying, you know, here are scores around kind of the schools that we're working in, and there's a lot of room for improvement. Here's how we're going to improve it together. When you look ahead, Leslie, to 2017 and maybe this time next year, what do you think will be different or what would you like to be different about how you're measuring or focusing on impact? Like, you know, what's kind of your dream uh, impact metric for next year or your your dream impact uh, program that you'll be doing next year? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, in terms of kind of the the impact metrics, I would love to just be able to see see our results in more and more and more real time. Mm-hmm. So we see them in as kind of as quote unquote real time as we can. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our schools aren't aren't connected; they're off the grid. So that still means someone, a Pennsylvania staff member, going out there collecting that data and coming right. back and connecting to right. the internet. So you need right? wired so the schools. The more and more connected we get. Yeah. 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 We need wired schools. I mean, wired schools would be an amazing thing. But again, we have schools that don't even have electricity. So we're, <laughs> you know, we've, some of them have a ways to go in terms of that development. But I would really love to see that. And then one thing that we're really focused on here at Pencil of Promise and our kind of future strategy is going younger, working with students in kindergarten before they get to school, parents of students before they get to school. Uh, we know that if our goal is to have literate students, you got to start younger, right? Mm. Starting when they're five, six, seven, you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot by not starting when they're earlier and earlier. So that's a big focus of that. That will be a big focus of 2017 is working with younger and younger kiddos to get them, you know, those early, early literacy behaviors that are so frequent here. We all know the stats around the number of words you hear and the books that are read to you and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not focused on in the development world. And that's where we really want to dig in. Well, Leslie, this has been so fantastic. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit more about Pencils of Promise and your focus on impact. Where can people find out more about you or Pencils of Promise if they'd like to do that online? Yeah, everyone should head right to PencilsofPromise.org. And you should know that also today we just launched a chance to win a trip to the field with Pencils of Promise. (gasps) I saw that. That's awesome. And that's like a back to school campaign, right? Yeah, yeah. So definitely check that out. PencilsofPromise.org. Excellent. We'll include that in the show notes. How about you, Joe? Where can people find you online? 
Uh, people can find me minute to minute on Twitter at Joe Waters, talking to Megan into Pencils of Promise. Um, you can also uh, find me, obviously, at SelfishGiving.com. Visit the site and you can pick up seven free uh, cause marketing graphics, including uh, one on some cause marketing superstars like Adam Braun from Pencils of Promise who spoke to us. And we have those uh, those results and that conversation curated in a infographic that I produce for that. And then finally, of course, you can find me on Pinterest, Pinterest.com, uh, uh, front slash waters what about you uh, megan where can people find you i'm also on twitter at megan strand and i tweet for the cause marketing forum at tweet cmf and of course you can find show notes for today's episode at cause update as well as selfishgiving.com and be sure to subscribe to the podcast in itunes you can also find it on google play and on behalf of leslie and joe and myself i'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of cause talk radio and we'll talk to you next time